The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Hello. My name's Forrest, Forrest Gump. Do you want a chocolate? I could eat about a million and a half of these. My mom always said life was like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Welcome to the Mazzotti. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the SEC Championship Edition of the Mazadcast. As you all know by now, Missouri didn't quite get it done in Alabama, but we're pretty excited anyway. We've got a great bowl. We ended the season 10-3, and and uh, it's a fun time to talk about Mizzou Tigers. I'm your host, Brendan Steenbergen. With me, as always, is the human toilet for Jerry Jones and the Dallas Cowboys, Colin Steenbergen. Thanks for having me. And unfortunately not able to join us is Brian Goers, who is suffering from early-onset menopause right now. So uh, Tough. Yeah, he's going to take some hormone pills and deal with that, you know, probably yell at some people, cry a little bit, and then he'll be back with us well it's pretty much describes his day-to-day anyway i guess yeah. it kind of explains the the behavior now huh I, I know i mean i thought that was just brian but it turns out early onset menopause weird yeah so anyway let's get into the game missouri played the alabama crimson tide and we all kind of in the back of our heads had hopes that maybe just maybe everybody was wrong and the tigers would really show them and compete for an sec title not just the east but the SEC title alone, the West they did isn't, not. <laughs> the West isn't so good. We're going to give them a run. We did not give them a run. No, we did not. We were slaughtered. Uh, we are over four in championship games in the last few years, and no signs based on this. Well, by last few years, you mean like forty-four years? I think something like that. Well, I just mean since we had two SEC or Big Twelve championship games against Oklahoma, which we failed in, and now two consecutive SEC title games in which we failed in. Uh, one of these days. And you know what? I have to tell you, Gary Pinkle was really downtrodden about the results of this game. He was interviewed in the post-game press conference, and he was bummed. I, I guess he had higher expectations than the rest of America. Certainly, Paul Feinbaum. Uh, I think he predicted the game to be one hundred and fifty-seven to two. Um, I don't know. I don't think he gave us the two. I think we were going to shut. Out. We were supposed to be shut out. <laughs> I don't know where that safety idea came from. <laughs> anyway, Missouri did not live up to expectations. Actually, they did live up to expectations, but they didn't live up to the hopes and dreams of Tiger fans. Uh, there were some some highlights, mostly lowlights in the game. I think the big big issue uh, or the big turning point in the game for me was when Shane Ray hit Blake Sims, the quarterback for Alabama, late after releasing a touchdown bomb. And it was was called for a targeting penalty, and then evicted from the game. He was kicked out of the game, uh, and you know it was controversial. And that Shane Ray really thought after the game that it was not a targeting penalty; it was a bad call. Uh, the coaches upstairs and Gary Pinkle disagreed. I have to say, the targeting rule in and of itself has been questionable all year. Every time there's been a targeting penalty, there's been controversy on whether it was or was not applied properly. You know, and that can be the case in this instance. But without question, Shane Ray hit the guy late, and it's the second straight game he hit the goddamn guy late. Yeah, I um, on Twitter 
um, the word dirty got thrown around, and I'm not ready to say dirty about anybody necessarily, but there is no question that this was an um, inexcusably late hit. And I'm not ready to call anybody dirty, but I will tell you this. Shamer's a fucking idiot. Yeah. Because, listen, if there's at any level of football, the one thing you know, or drilled into your head now is you can't touch the quarterback. Don't fucking touch the quarterback. Please, for the love of Christ, leave the fucking quarterback alone. I mean, it is inexcusable to think that you're going to get away with, you know, Get basically the count of two Mississippi and then plowing somebody whether you do it with your hands or the crown of your helmet you hit a quarterback late it's a fucking penalty and in this case it's a targeting penalty and you're out of the game I mean you got to be a stone cold fucking dum dum to not stay the fuck away from a quarterback unless that ball is still in his hands or I mean just off the fingertips and even then it's questionable whether you're going to get away with it and yeah and it's the one fucking guy that they really really protect and you can't go after him and, yeah, he had to leave the game, and we had a backup player, but it was demoralizing from the team. He's our best defensive player, and it was just the beginning of the end. Now, we did rally back. We had a, a brief moment in the sun where it was, I think, 21-13 to 13 where it looked close, but then Alabama just poured on the thrusters and uh, gave it to us, and it was all over in the fourth quarter. I'm not done talking about Shane Ray, though, because you talked about throwing around the word dirty player, and it that is a bit of a of – a, loaded term but i've got to say shane ray had a late hit in the arkansas game as well and that was so back-to-back weeks he's had very questionable plays and in any one instance you can maybe defend them in the arkansas game you could say oh well you know he was rushing the quarterback that's what he's supposed to do that's his one job every other motherfucking defender was able to find out that the play was blown dead and pulled up short shane ray just barreled over their uh quarterback and he barreled over blake sims and I like Shane Ray. I'm a Shane Ray fan, but he's got to be smarter than this. It's it's hurting the team bad. It hurt the team against Alabama worse than anything in that game, if you ask me. Uh, there were other faults. I mean, I think, Colin, before the, the show, you mentioned that Matty Malk reverted to some of his stupid uh, Yeah, I noticed he was— Behaviors. He, yeah, he was, he was getting flushed early. He was flying away, you know, turning his back to line scrimmage. And not that they weren't applying pressure, because they were, but then there was a lot of where he was— Way out of the pocket, way early, uh, anticipating a rush that really was not there. But he got bailed out a couple of times with some long passes. Yeah, to Jimmy the Hunt the, the, down. the, uh, the uh, scrambling long bomb across the body found its target several times in this game, and really constituted the biggest part of our offense because our running game certainly didn't get going. It was a return to the "fuck it, I'm going deep" version of Matty Mock. <laughs> yeah. so I Rock like that Matty Mock a little bit, um, <laughs> just as long as he doesn't, uh, just as long as he doesn't throw an interception. But you know. I'd say that um, you can talk about Shane Ray or the receivers or Matty Mock, uh, the running backs or the coaches or whatever. I mean, I, there's not a huge you know anger with me with any one person no. for this game because I didn't have great expectations going into it. But it was clear um, we were outmatched. That's yeah. what it boils down. What to. I, I what does bother me, and I think something that we've talked about bits and pieces throughout the season that really hasn't been. Um, we probably haven't really hit hard enough, honestly, um, because it's been the theme of the season, in my opinion, and that is the offensive line. They have not been good all year. Um, as a unit, as individuals, um, it has been a running theme. I mean, it really cost it, – it was probably one of the biggest determining factors in the Indiana game that fucking cost us so dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Connor McGoverns of the world. The, what's Tyler Chappell. Yeah, um, you know, our center, goddammit, the name is Evan Bame. Evan Bame the, had the game where he couldn't get it anywhere near Matty Mock. That was McNuttle or whatever the fuck Nolte, it was. Brad McNulty. McNulty, he's uh, he had a a bad game against. We're the, just naming offensive line. Yeah, basically, yeah, but he had a bad game against uh, Alabama. Um, but it's it's been a running theme, and I something that worries me about 
Gary Pinkle, and I think it's indicative of college football on the whole, is that there is a loyalty to upper upperclassmen. Like, well, this junior or sophomore may be a better football player, but I'm going to play the senior, and I can so see Gary Pinkle being that guy. And because uh, I don't know, and maybe there's not better alternatives on our bench, but God damn it, this offensive line was was a real problem all year. And the fact that we were as successful we were with the offensive line being this bad. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, is really a uh, is a testament to testament to how yeah how how well Gary Pinkle has schemed and how well the defense has played. Well, and, and we mentioned this a little bit before the show, and and I'm a, maybe a little bit less pessimistic than you about the offensive line, in that I feel like the offensive line is an area unlike. Air, other skill positions where especially at the college level a Tyler Chapel or Brad McNulty or Connor McGovern the the folks that aren't seniors the underclassmen they're going to get better by virtue of just being older because these are 19 20 21 year old kids and you think about what you were like when you were that age i mean Colin, myself i my i entered my freshman year of college i didn't have hair on my face by the end of the year i had hair on my back <laughs> i mean you change a lot in just a couple of years during your college age or your college days. And uh, that happens to these offensive linemen. They put on a ton of weight between their senior year of high school and their senior year of college. And so, yes, while there may be underclassmen who are, you know, higher recruits or show more promise, I think a two-star senior offensive lineman a lot of times is better than a five-star freshman, you know, just because they're younger or they're older. So, I don't know. If you had a senior offensive line staff, you're always going to be in better shape, I think. And so who knows what next year will Well, bring. and who knows what uh, next year will bring for Florida or South Carolina or Tennessee or any of these teams that we're going to have to play. Uh, but I'm going to tell you this. Um, we're going to have to get a whole lot better on the offensive line because I don't think we're – I mean, we've seen, you know, 
the zenith of what a defense can do at Mizzou. I mean, I don't think there's any hope that we'll be this good in defense next year. I don't. That's not saying we won't be good at defense next year. I'm just saying, how could you possibly be this good? And right. so other aspects of this team have to get better. And the offensive line is one place in particular that could stand to get a whole lot better a whole, real, real fucking fast. Well, one thing the offensive line being poor does, and we talked a lot about Matty Malk all year long, when the offensive line doesn't give him time, it exposes his weaknesses. And he's got a lot of weaknesses and his flaws. When he's pressured, he reverts back to the technical problems he's displayed throughout the year. And that happened against Alabama. He was seeing a lot of pressure, so he started running backwards and flipping his back to his receivers. And uh, when he's got time, we've seen a much better Matty Mock. And I'm hoping a year under his belt, a junior season, he'll continue to mature. He's matured much more slowly than I would have hoped. Well, I tell you what, I've been really hard on Matty Mock. But, I mean, it's hard to judge a quarterback when he's running for his life a lot of the time. And I I don't think – I maybe was giving too much credit to Matty Mock and not enough credit to this offensive line because – you know, he does make poor decisions. He does turn his back to the line of scrimmage. He does flush from the pocket maybe a little too quickly. But maybe he's flushing the, from the pocket a little too quickly because he has no trust in the guys in front of him. And I think that's probably more than likely the uh, situation. So I'm not ready to – I mean, and there was times in the season where I was ready to, like, give me fucking Eddie Prince. Anything's better than this. I mean, 20 yards against Florida mm-hmm. is a perfect example. But um, I haven't lost complete faith in Matty Mock. Um, but I – do feel like the offensive line is going to have to get a lot better because it's going to stunt his his progression. Right. You know, I mean, it's going to he he's going to regress behind I think, a line like this. I think halfway through the season, we said Matty Mock was hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. I think at this point, it's the offensive line that's hot garbage. Hot, yeah. hot garbage. Matty Mock is just maybe smoldering garbage. Smoldering garbage. I, I, I want to say this about the game too because I, we could go on and on a bitch about it, but I'm already forgetting about the game mostly because we're going into the bowl season and we got beat so badly. I don't want to dwell on it. But going in, we last week's show, we had said, go fuck yourself. Fuck Quite a few teams within sure the SEC had. and the SEC itself, we said to go fuck itself. Fuck yeah. But uh, if we had won, we would have likely kept the SEC out of the college playoff, and that would have been the ultimate go fuck yourself to the conference. <laughs> but yourself. something happened that was an unintended consequence that may be even more of a rewarding go fuck yourself. Fuck and yourself. that is by way of Alabama having a strong win and Ohio State having a strong win. The Big 12 is not in the first ever college playoff. Go fuck yourself, Big 12. Fuck well, this is what happens when you fucking hitch your wagon to Texas. And I don't think – who's complaining now about leaving the Big 12 for the SEC? You know, I've heard several people make the case that every team that could leave the Big 12 did leave the Big 12, with the exception of Texas and Oklahoma. Those te- those those they programs have open invitations to many conferences, including the SEC, I believe. But that being said, you know – the Kansas is the world. They didn't have anybody. They didn't have any suitors, so they had to hitch their wagon to Texas. But this, they fucked themselves. They've they've tied themselves to an, a conference that beats to uh, that marches to Texas's drum, and this is this is the ultimately the payoff. You know, there's no championship game. So in the final week of the season, when the decisions were going to be made about the playoff, the Ohio State played Wisconsin for a Big Ten title, a true championship game, <laughs> and they showed up and kicked some ass. The Big 12, all they had to do was a couple weaselly end-of-the-season games. Sure, Baylor played Kansas State, which was a good game, but fucking TCU played Iowa State, and even a big win against them was not impressive to anybody. So they were fucked because they didn't have a marquee matchup, a final, actual one true champion, as well, they like to no say. No team gets more consideration and more benefit of the doubt in this fucking country 
aside from maybe Notre Dame, than Ohio State. So you're going to have to do something pretty remarkable to keep them out. Now, the problem with the Big 12 is that they're playing this round robin, and their slogan even said it, you know, one true champion, one true champion. And then they just completely fucking backpedal and do co-championships, even though there's a head-to-head tiebreaker in Baylor beating uh, TCU. I mean, the Big 12 is the most reactionary. There's no uh, proactive um, movement. There's no decision making. Yeah, it's everything is just reactionary. And well, Colin, like, I think you misheard. It wasn't one true champion. They meant to say one two champion. <laughs> They're counting the champions. Yeah. Well, I just my thought is is that how long can this go on before you know somebody decides to snatch up what talent there is in the Big Twelve and this this conference that truthfully a few years ago, Brendan, I was very proud to be a part of. And was constantly arguing with people from the SEC conferences going, you know, we're just as good. Yeah, we're just as good as you guys. And, you know, Missouri's playing, you know, playing Oklahoma for the championship, Texas and Nebraska. I think the teams individually are just as good. It's the decision making from the brass that was not. Well, Dan Beebe was a fucking idiot. And this um, guy they got to, the name escapes me, the guy they got to replace him is not much smarter. And they are just, while, while other conferences are putting together plans for expansion, um, Television networks. Television networks, all this stuff. The Big 12 just sits on its thumbs waiting to tell, for anyone and everyone to tell them what their next move is. And I'm going well, to tell you they're what they're asking next... Texas what to do with it. Well, and, you know, listen, when the Big 12 expanded from the Big uh, the Big 8 to the Big 12, you knew that was when the, that was the first time... They let four Texas schools Yeah, in. they let four Texas schools in, and you know that they didn't let them in. They were asking them, begging them to come in because they have not been revenue sharing from the day one. You know, I mean, if if Texas wanted into our conference that badly, all the Big 12 would have had to do is go, well, here, all you have to do to get into our conference is revenue share. But it wasn't that way. It was the Big 8 going, make us relevant, come to us, Texas. And then they made a deal with the devil. And they're reaping what they sowed. They got fucked. <laughs> they got fucked hard. Well, in Missouri, I don't think they planned it as well. As they might have, but they ended up falling uh, right on their feet. They couldn't have landed better getting into the SEC while the SEC is at its hottest with all, like, I don't know, eight out of the last nine champions, the launch of the SEC network, and at a time when the Big Ten is kind of a shitstorm, and the Big 12 is just a house on fire right now. If you go to message boards, everyone within the Big 12 is fucking furious. And they're not furious at the playoff committee. They're furious at the Big 12. Yeah. Well, and I think th- this is still a flawed system, obviously. I mean, you got teams like Baylor hiring um, marketing agencies to try to, to like, uh, make them look better in the eyes of committee. That shouldn't be the case. I mean, no. football games should be what decides this. But the truth is there's 311 or whatever the hell it is, uh, Division One football teams and four positions. And somebody's getting fucked every year. It doesn't matter if they expend it to 64 teams or 120 teams. Somebody's always going to be on the outside looking in it, and that's okay. But... The playoffs pretty obviously have to expand. We got five power conferences, so this is a conversation that is going to take place until it expands. Because there's always going to be one power conference on the outside looking in, and this year it's the Big Twelve, and um, next year it may be the Pac-10 or whomever. But ACC, I'm yeah, right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, I, I, you know, it'll be the Big Twelve or the ACC every year, inexplicably. It's the final result of this week's 
committee is not a surprise to me. Ohio State did the committee a favor and bailed them out this week by dominating in the Big Ten Championship. They could completely ignore the Baylor TCU who gets in, who gets left out controversy by knocking them both out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and a lot of people can justify it. I think everybody probably says... Listen, fuck TCU at this point. The only reason TCU's in the fucking conversation is because the fucking committee moved them to three for no reason last week. Inexplicable. Because truthfully, if the only person that really has a gripe in my mind is Baylor because they went and played a very good Kansas State team and put it on them and had nothing to show for it yeah and and it's as much in the conference as it is the committee uh the committee did come to its senses at the end of the day and i think a lot of the polls did as well baylor beat tcu that they should be above they had the same record and virtually the same schedule like why the fuck was tcu ever above baylor never made any sense and finally cooler heads prevailed cooler heads being people who agree with me (laughs) <laughs> and uh and so it was five smarter people yeah so with it, bigger dicks it's <laughs> not it's not elite company <laughs> but anyway it didn't matter at the end of the day ohio state's in uh, tcu and baylor are out and i think we're going to take a break here in a minute we're going to talk bowls because uh you know let's move on past the Alabama game that never happened and uh, let's talk about the Tigers going to the Citrus Bowl. We'll talk about some of the other bowls the SEC is going to. Twelve out of the fourteen schools in the big in the SEC are going bowling. And to tell you what, Colin, before we do that, we're going to come back from our break. We're going to play a little game. It's going to be called Fact or Fiction Bowl Game Edition. So, uh, you ready for that? I guess. All right, we'll find out after the break. This is the Mazodcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we're back, and we're going to play a little fact and fiction. This week it's going to be the bowl edition. Colin, and here's what we're going to do. Normally when we play fact or fiction, it's related to a specific team or state. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to – there's so many fucking bowls right now. (laughs) I'm going to list off a bowl game, and you're going to tell me, is this an actual bowl game, or is it made up out of thin air? Are you prepared to do it? Or fiction. I I could imagine I'll do terrible at this. <laughs> All right. Let's go with our first one. The Bitcoin St. Petersburg Bowl. <laughs> I'm going to say this is uh, uh, absolutely a real bowl. That seems almost too creative to be made up from whole cloth. It is a real bowl. Ah, it's go. the newest bowl. I wouldn't give you near enough credit to create that name. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the uh, next bowl is the... Boca Raton Bowl. Boca Raton Bowl. I'm going to say that's horse shit. Boca Raton is a place where old people vacation, yeah? No, Marshall will be playing Northern Illinois in the Boca Raton Bowl this year. <laughs> All right, sir. Well, there uh, you go. There you uh, go. Next one. That's a game I want to see. <laughs> that's a, everybody's talking about it. Yeah. The Visit Marshall. Wisconsin Cheese Bowl. Visit Wisconsin Cheese Bowl. Yeah, sure. What the hell? That's a bowl. For sure it is. 
It is not a bowl. God damn it. As much as we love cheese and cheese bowls, it is not a bowl. <laughs> well. So, uh, next one. The National University Holiday Bowl. National University Holiday Bowl. I'm going to say, yeah, I've heard of the Holiday Bowl before. Yes, it is a bowl. Yeah, that's what I thought. I don't never heard of National, but I've heard of the Holiday Bowl. National University? I don't... Nobody knows. Nobody but, knows who that is. But the Holiday Bowl is Isn't it strange thing. that a university is sponsoring a college football game it's one of those pay for universities though it's got to be for profit deal yeah, yeah. it's like phoenix air yeah. or whatever the uh, yeah 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 that 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 thing yeah okay next question the iowa state fair corn bowl iowa state fair corn bowl i'm going to say no i wouldn't think the iowa state fair has enough cachet to have their own bowl that is correct. They do not. No one would go to Iowa to see a bowl game. No one would go to Iowa for any reason ever, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> Next question. The Petco Cat Bowl. Well, Brennan, I'd say this one's a bunch of malarkey from the fact that Petco wouldn't go endorsing one animal. I mean, they wouldn't just, they're not going to hang their hat on just cats. Well, maybe gerbils? No. The gerbil no. bowl? Nope. No. Well, Richard Gere would be with a winner every year. <laughs> nope. I'm going to say that's malarkey. It is malarkey. You're correct. Next question. The Tax Slayer Bowl. Tax Slayer. Tax Slayer. Tax Slayer is a uh, program used to do taxes, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so, yeah, sure. That Tax Slayer, that's, again, that's a little too much of a – that's too creative a name for you to think up. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'm giving you so little credit. Thanks for the faith. You're the, you're right though. It is not. It is an actual bowl. You're correct. Yes. So uh, next bowl, the Birmingham Bowl. The Birmingham Bowl. Wow. Um, I'm gonna say yeah, but there shouldn't be one. That's my answer. <laughs> <laughs> it's correct. It used to be known as the Compass Bowl, mm-hmm. but it's now the Birmingham Bowl. And I'll give you three guesses to, as to where it's played. Um, St. Louis. Yeah, that's right. No, Birmingham, <laughs> Alabama. Of Damn course. It. So okay, the Hooters Reno Bowl. Hooters Reno Bowl. Hmm. I would go on a limb if this bowl exists. It's the easiest bowl to get chlamydia at. Um, but sure, what the hell? Hooters has their own bowl. Why not? They do not. Ah! Not, yet. not yet. Son of a biscuit eater. Yeah. Can we talk for a second about how much fucking power Buffalo Wild Wings seems to have as far as determining the outcome of football games? Really? Um, those commercials lead me to believe that they can stop and start games at any time they want. Turn on sprinkler systems. The, the wind gushing yeah. out of those fans to redirect field goals. Direct contact with officials. I feel like this is a huge story that's not being I mean, maybe outside the lines Bryant Gumbel needs right, to look 30 into. 30 for 30 maybe. Yeah, this is ridiculous. As much as the NFL is, is closely... Uh, monitored and has many rules as the NFL has. I cannot believe they allow Buffalo Wild Wings to wield that much authority and power. I, I don't think they do. I think it's subterfuge. I think it's completely, uh, you know, below board, so to speak, and the NFL needs to really get on top of it. I mean, they, they should. They flaunt it every week on those commercials. <laughs> I, they do. And, you know, all they seem to care about is beating kids with switches and, you know, punching your wife in the face. You know what? Those things pale in comparison to Buffalo Wild Wings' ability to, you know, com- have 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 such influence over the outcome of games. It's there's crazy. so many overtime games. To me, it's ugh, it's to me it's crazy. Especially when you think about the money that goes into the gambling side of things. I mean, who's to say, you know, how uh, Buffalo Wild Wings is betting on these games? I mean, it's, it's it's awful. It's true. It's probably how they make half their profits. Tell me if I'm wrong here. I feel like it's a lot of games where the outcome is almost without question going to be determined, mm-hmm. and then by some wild 
determination by the powers that be at Buffalo Wild Wings, something awry happens, and we go into overtime. Well, they certainly seem to want to extend games yeah. um, to sell more Wild Wings. Yeah. It that seems, seems to be, be their biggest motivation. I think you've cracked the code here. <laughs> well, anyway, it's concerning, and I think everybody should look I into it. I think Roger Goodell needs to maybe think, rethink his uh, allowance of, of Buffalo Wild Wings in their power. Yeah. Okay, yeah. next question. Oh, we kind of gone off track, haven't we? Yeah, sure. Uh, the Cactus Bowl. I'm going to say, yeah, I think I've heard of the Cactus Bowl. Yeah, it's a thing. Yes, correct. Is it sponsored by someone? Is there somebody just like, cactuses are sponsoring this bowl? <laughs> well, this is like the Cadillac cancer, Cactus Bowl. Is it just a bowl without sponsorship? Used to be the Copper Bowl, the Insight.com Bowl, the there Valley of the Sun Bowl. And it used to be the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl, speaking of the devil. And uh, so it's basically patient zero for the annual rotating smorgasbord of bowl names and sponsors. <laughs> yeah, so enjoy the Cactus Bowl. So the next one, San Diego Credit Union Poinsettia Bowl. Uh, did Mizzou plan a Poinsettia Bowl at one time? No, no. Well, not in a recent history, anyway. Uh, I'm going to say Poinsettia Bowl. I, I've heard of this one. It's named after you know a decorative Christmas flower, and I do believe that it exists. It does exist, and the name alone makes me want to sign up for the San Diego Credit Union. Yes, <laughs> I think they've hit the mark. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Great work, advertising team. Try and stop me. Okay, the mistletoe bowl. Mm, mistletoe bowl. These are hard because when they don't have sponsorship, yeah. you know what I mean? Like You're automatically thinking bowl. they can't be true. Yeah, who the fuck is mistletoe? I mean, is the mistletoe lobby, the in, the mistletoe industry, big mistletoe? Are they, are <laughs> big they, mistletoe, are, that's its name yeah, out there. Throw their name on a, on a bowl? I'm going to say horseshit, no mistletoe bowl. Horseshit, indeed, there is no mistletoe bowl. Uh, next one is the Tinder Bowl, the popular app Tinder. <laughs> um, is at halftime, a bunch of anonymous strangers are going to fucking hit the 50-yard line. <laughs> <laughs> or just maybe covertly in the bathroom. I yeah, know. who knows? I'd rather watch it at the 50-yard line, but hey, teach their own. Um, I'm going to say bullshit. I'm certainly Tinder is not sponsoring a bull. <laughs> no, they're not. There are a lot of people going to hook up after the game with Tinder, but not... At the Tinder Bowl. Okay. So uh, now this one is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Well, you said it was famous yourself, so I'm going to have to say... Tip my hat there. Yeah, you did. You, you, you showed your hand a little bit, so I'll say, sure, that's, that's a thing. Yes, Idaho potatoes are famous. Their bowl is not, but they yeah. do have one. So, yeah, correct again. It's going to be one of those uh, lingerie playing women's teams against a high school 3A team. <laughs> but it is going to happen. <laughs> now, can you imagine your bowl team and you're like looking to it oh am i gonna go to hawaii for a bowl game or am i gonna go to idaho well, it's gonna be so fun we travel well to idaho people mm, love potatoes yeah it's famous uh, for why stuff. why why does idaho think they need a, a bowl game i don't know zaxby's heart of dallas bowl zaxby's heart of i didn't even heard of zaxby's until one opened up in columbia it's a southern thing yeah i didn't know it fucking existed it's like a uh, any of that other if you like shitty chicken <laughs> Yeah. Try Zaxby's. Well, I, I I'm not paid by Zaxby's. In case you were wondering, <laughs> not. that's my own opinion. Well, I I uh, saw we opened a Zaxby's, and then I realized that Duck Dynasty was the was like was one of their spokespeople, and I hate Duck Dynasty so fucking much that yeah. I will never ever 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 eat at a fucking Zaxby's. Okay, I w- I could go on a tangent for the next half an hour about how much I fucking hate Duck Dynasty. Why don't we do that? <laughs> <laughs> fucking hate those guys but anyway um so i'm gonna say no 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 they're not in a bowl no it is a bowl <laughs> illinois and louisiana tech are gonna meet up in this year's 
Battle of the Titans at the Zaxby's Heart of Dallas Bowl. It is also being played in Birmingham. No, Dallas. (laughs) So, okay. Next question. Just have 47 more of these. (laughs) The Bacardi Bowl. The Bacardi Bowl. Well, I hope that's a thing. Sure, why not? No, it is not a thing. It should be. It absolutely should should be. be. Yeah. Uh... They should get the Tinder Bowl and the Bacardi Bowl together. Holy Oh, my balls. God. That's a party bowl. You could spit in a Petri dish and still a whole new civilization. It'd uh, just get gross. It'd get really gross. I feel like you got to have the Bacardi Bowl, then the Tinder Bowl, and that's where the magic happens. Oh, just copious amounts of human ejaculate everywhere. <laughs> so our next trivia quiz question will be the Pinstripe Bowl. Pinstripe Bowl. Um... Another one that sounds vaguely familiar to me, so I'll say yeah. That is correct. It is played in Yankee Stadium, so they cleverly named it the Pinstripe Bowl. No, mm. no sponsor this year because who gives a fuck? Yeah, exactly. Uh, next question, the Houndstooth Bowl. Oof, no, no, I don't feel like that's a thing. It is not a thing. No, I, I don't even know why I asked you. It's not a thing. So next question, Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. Hmm, that sounds like a really crappy dish they're selling. Uh, that I'll, I'll see Peyton Manning advertising uh, very, very soon. Uh, no. Well, yeah, let's fucking – there's one thing that – what is it? The Papa John's? No, it's Little Caesar. Oh, fuck. No, Little Caesar. They can't afford it. It's $5 for pizza. They can't afford to put their name in a bowl game. That's like <laughs> a Papa John. Interestingly enough, you're correct. It was a bowl from 2009 to present, but they're no longer having the Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. Oh. I don't know if they couldn't afford it, as you suggested, or whether they decided no one gave a fuck. Yeah. But, uh, Probably a little bit of both. A little bit of both. So, no, there is no Little Caesars Pizza Bowl. The California Onion Association <laughs> Funyuns Bowl. Uh, I'm going to say no because I feel like, well, uh, I feel like the avocado lobby and the onion lobby in California, boy, but that's a heated, heated, uh, rivalry. So, uh, no, no, Funyuns don't get their own bowl. Funyuns do not get their own bowl. Neither do responsibility yuns. <laughs> um, <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> so next question, final question, the duck commander Independence Bowl. I know this is a thing because my uh, fiery hatred of all things Duck Dynasty has let me know that the fucking company that they started does have their own bowl. And so my prayers to their God have been gone unanswered because I have prayed for the ruin of their company and family um, from top to bottom. Um, I think they're awful, awful people, and they are fucking just drive me goddamn crazy. I hate Duck Dynasty so much. And to one of our listeners who love Duck Dynasty, I'd like to apologize for how much I hate them because I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say so far as I'd like to see them all die in a horribly slow and, and just vicious fashion. So, you know, I, there's that. But do you have an opinion? <laughs> oh, the bowl exists and, um, you know, no, not really. Not really. Yep. Moving on. Well played, by the way. Yeah, I hate Duck Dynasty, okay. by the way. I don't think you re- that, that came through. I wasn't aware of it. I, I had gathered bits and pieces that you I might just, not love them. Uh, I just, my biggest fear is that all the kids in my, my kids' classes like it, and I just, my kids don't watch it, obviously, because I don't allow it, because I'd rather them watch hardcore, barely legal pornography than that horse shit. And um, I just, my, my kids are just like, say, you know, why do you, you like Duck Dynasty? I was like, because it's for a bunch of fucking Hoosiers, and I don't want you kids to be fucking muddied or soiled by that horse shit. It's the same reason I don't let them watch the fucking Disney Channel when they're not playing cartoons. It's like, this is not funny. Don't watch these stupid, idiotic fucking sitcoms. They're awful. 
Like I said, I'd rather you watch fucking snuff films. <laughs> I don't want Disney Channel in any way shaping their sense of humor. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. You're a great dad. <laughs> well, let's move on here. Um, you did a great job. Thanks. But uh, there are real bowl games being played. And as we mentioned before, the SEC is in many of them. The Tigers, of course, drew a great bid, as far as I'm concerned, the Citrus Bowl. It's as good as they can imagine getting, given the say the midpoint of our season where we were looking like complete and total hot garbage. Hot, hot garbage. garbage. Well, and especially after the you know the prison style rape we took in the in the SEC championship game from the, at the hands of Alabama. The Citrus Bowl was the top bowl to pick SEC teams after the College Football Committee got done choosing the playoff teams as well as the six big bowl games, the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl, and all that shit. So they had their choice of Missouri, Georgia, Auburn, and they chose Missouri in much different fashion than when we were good in 2007. We beat Kansas, then we got slaughtered by Oklahoma in that championship game, and they gave the fucking Orange Bowl to Kansas for some unknown reason. My thought process is that the SEC actually advocated for having its East champion go in, whereas the Big 12 said, we don't give a fuck, do what you want, because they don't yeah, defend their Yeah, because they're the teams. Big 12 and they're awful. Right. So we, did a, we got a great bowl bid. Uh, we're going to be going up against Minnesota on January 1st. It's our second year in a row we get a January 1st or later bowl. I think it'll be nice, Brennan, to be rooted for by the SEC. I think this is the only time of the year where you're going to see SEC fans root for Mizzou just because they want the SEC to show well in the bowl uh, season. They want us to have a – they want the SEC to, to have a winning record in the bowl season. They'd love us to go undefeated. So they're – you know, even the, the most diehard Mizzou hater is probably going to be – uh, rooting for Mizzou, at least in this ball game against Minnesota. I think you're right. I mean, they always take a lot of pride in the number of bowl games they win against other conferences, especially other power conferences like the Big Ten. I think it's not a bad draw for Missouri. Minnesota's a good team, but you never know what Missouri's going to bring to the table. Obviously, look what they did against Alabama or what they didn't do. But I think we can compete with Minnesota. I've never watched a minute of Minnesota football this year. But, Nor have uh, I. But right? they're in the Big Ten, and the Big Ten was not – Blue gray. goats. Yeah, I mean, it was... Well, somewhere between not great and blue goats. Yeah, they weren't hot garbage, but they were definitely not good either. So yeah. So anyway, it could be a good draw, but there are a lot of other games that uh, the SEC... As I mentioned before, Vanderbilt and Kentucky did not manage to become bowl eligible, but the other teams did. And Colin, you want to go through some of the other bowl games we're going to look at in the SEC this year? Well, the first uh, bowl we're going to talk about is the unholy uh, Duck Commander uh, Independence Bowl. Ugh. It will be sponsored by the False Prophets, that is the cast of Duck Dynasty. Um, and in that game, you've got South Carolina going up against uh, Miami. And I'm personally interested in this game because I had a, a a fan not that long ago make a compelling argument for Miami being, you know, a pretty good team, and that um, you know Florida State should get more uh, credibility, credibility for, beating. for beating them because they would be really competitive in the SEC East, which I had a bit of a bone to pick about that and we well, disagreed it's interesting because before the championship game the week before four acc teams went up against the sec east and the acc went four and oh including a game where south carolina played clemson and clemson mm-hmm. cleaned their clock you know that's kind of difficult to say three times mm-hmm. fast. clemson cleans your clock yeah so anyway Going up against another ACC team in their bowl south carolina will have a little bit of an opportunity to regain some uh 
credibility as a program this year. I tell you what, uh, for that argument I have with that individual about Miami not really being all that good, and that's not really an indication of uh, anything to do with Florida State, I just about I would have picked just about any other SEC East team other than South Carolina, including fucking Kentucky. South Carolina is just abysmal dumpster fire. It just seems to not be able to get out of their own way, and I feel like they're playing for absolutely nothing at this point. Yeah, I could see... You know, other than them playing for a little SEC pride, I don't know where they get the motivation to do anything uh, positive in this game, at least more positive than they've managed to pull off most of this season where they've got their fucking heads kicked in most of the year. I would like to see them get their shit together a little bit and make the SEC look a little better. I have yeah, a problem absolutely. with Miami as a team anyway. Um, Miami are the Hurricanes, sure, correct, but they don't use the Hurricane as their mascot. They use a duck. Is it a pelican or is it a duck? I don't know. It's a fucking pelican or a duck. Whatever it is, it's not a hurricane. <laughs> and I don't like any team that uses a different mascot than what they do for their the team name. For instance, the Alabama Crimson Tide is a fucking elephant. And I don't know. What is a what Crimson a, Tide? It's not an elephant. <laughs> well, that's a. And then this is Mississippi uh, or Old Miss has joined this right. well, uh, club have, when they had. Um, Colonel Reb. Colonel Reb, and they Replaced. got rid of him with a fucking bear. Yeah, and then uh, on the other coast, we've got Stanford Cardinal, whose mascot is a, a fucking tree. Fucking tree, the least imposing mascot I've ever seen, is a non moving tree. <laughs> An inanimate object. Be careful, or we'll provide you shade. <laughs> yeah, they're, it's pretty intimidating for sure. So there's a number of teams like that, and I've never liked them. So I, in Miami, you're joining that club. I do not like you. What is an Orangeman, by the way? Oh, I see your point. <laughs> it's no longer the Orange Men either. It's the Orange because men in the name is very, very controversial. Oh, yeah. Just Yet like, they're not oranges. Just like Colonel Reb. we got to make it everything <laughs> just, just so. I feel like you can make a pretty good oh, argument remember, for Colonel Maybe Colonel Reb's not the best. <laughs> I wanted him to choose Admiral Akbar. I was for Akbar. I do like way. that. He is a rebel. He's part of the Rebel Alliance. <laughs> yep. Been, it's a trap. Choice. It's a trap. The uh, next one we'll talk about is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Uh, that will feature... Texas A&M versus West Virginia, and my that could opinion, be a good game. No, I feel like this is kind of a dud of a game. I mean, I don't know. I, well, I, Texas a and kind of the same situation as South Carolina. They're a bit of a dumpster fire. Yeah, yeah. I guess I'm giving A&M a little too much credit. I feel like this is kind of a turd, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, West Virginia did fucking beat Ohio State. Yeah, early, yeah. Is, granted, it was early. And yeah, Lord knows that's been pointed out on Twitter uh, quite a bit <laughs> just of late. Well, uh, I'm willing to march it out there because I don't know if you noticed or not, but uh, several people who are not from Missouri seem to use the words Indiana quite a bit in their tweets about our team. So, yeah, that's uh, true. That's true. Fuck them. Um, AdvoCare V100 Texas Bowl will feature Arkansas versus Texas. Now, this is, to me, a good game. I like seeing... Uh, I don't uh, think so. Well, I, I think Arkansas is going to beat holy hell out of Texas. I hope. I they guess do. that's why I think it's going to be a good ta- game. Okay. Is I hate fucking Texas from that. That's a little holdover from our Big Twelve days, and uh, I really feel like Arkansas is going to jam it way up there. They're going to push those turds way up there. We know all about that after what Alabama did to us. I've yep. got turds in my tonsils after that game. <laughs> Ooh. All right, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl. Let's just go with Music City Bowl. Enough with the fucking sponsors. No doubt. So that's going to be LSU-Notre Dame, another game that I look forward to because I feel like LSU might 
put it, you know, push their turds way up there. I'd love to play Notre Dame in a bowl. I would love to one year us get a whatever bowl, even if it's a a seven and four fucking season, so we could play Notre Dame because Notre Dame is overrated every year. Sorry, Rudy, you're over fucking rated. (laughs) Rudy was offsides, Brendan. The Chick Fil A Peach Bowl, Old Miss versus TCU. Now this is going to be a good game because you're going to get. Uh, what the Big 12 considers the best of their best against uh, a middling um, SEC West team. So uh, if I would like to see Ole Miss put on a nice show here and show that a middling SEC West team is better than the best the Big 12 has to offer. The best the Big 12 has to offer barely beat Kansas. Can we talk yeah. about that for a second? Yeah. Well, and I guess Baylor would make an argument that they're the best the Big 12 has to offer. But uh, TCU is certainly you know, a good team. What are they, ranked fifth? Yeah. Fourth. No, they're not ranked fourth. That would put them in a playoff. No, Baylor's fifth. They're sixth. But anyway, the sixth best team in the country by the uh, polls is going to get Ole Miss. Uh, The Capital One Orange Bowl, Mississippi State, uh, Georgia Tech. Mississippi State, bad draw here. Because I feel like Georgia Tech's a pretty good team. They look good against Florida State. Although this really shook up our situation in the Citrus Bowl because a lot of people thought Michigan State would be in this bowl. Mississippi State jumped them. And what that did was that changed our opponent to Minnesota because it would have been an ACC team had the, had the Big Ten opponent gone to the Orange Bowl. Well, I'm, I'm guessing Georgia Tech's and Mississippi State all they want. Um, Outback Bowl. Auburn, Wisconsin. I think this is a good matchup. I think these two teams are a little bit on par with one another. I think SEC fans would wouldn't want me saying that, but Auburn is kind of second tier, um, at least as it concerns Alabama, and uh, Wisconsin is kind of second tier to Ohio State. It's like the second best teams in their respective conferences. I was kind of shocked at the outcome of the Big Ten championship. I think it was fifty nine to zero. Ohio State fucking clobbered them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 59 to 0 in a Pushed championship game? Way up there. I mean, it made our outcome look downright, downright respectable. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. And Maria Joseph. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know what to think about Wisconsin. I would not bet on this game. I would, If I did, I would expect to put my money on Auburn. But, I mean, Wisconsin won a bunch of fucking football games, but not by anything you saw what they did with Ohio State. It was wow. insane. Yeah. So our next bowl, uh, the Buffalo Wild Wings Citrus Bowl, featuring our Missouri Tigers and Minnesota. As we said uh, earlier, I don't think either one of us watched a single moment of Minnesota football, so we don't really know what to expect here. Um, but I will not watch a moment before. I mean, there's no more to watch before or after. I do not care about Minnesota, but I will watch every moment. I feel like I care about Minnesota the way most of the country feels about Missouri. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, maybe that's true. I'll tell you this about Minnesota. I did think before we drew this game that they were coached by a gentleman named Hayden Fox. Yeah, screaming eagles. Yeah, and they had an assistant named Dauber. Yeah, and don't forget defensive coordinator Luther Van Dam. Renan. Luther was key to that program. That I, if I don't, if I'm remembering correctly, they won a national title. They sure did. The Screaming Eagles won a national title later in that uh, that coaching staff's run. Yeah, Minnesota State was really good, but that is not the program we're playing. No, it's we're playing Minnesota. That was Minnesota State. Minnesota State. I, I think really, they had, I, they had a good women's basketball program as well. Yeah, Dauber actually, I think, believe dated the coach. Not a lot of people know that. That's kind of insider information. But yeah. the uh, assistant Dauber dated the the one of the one of the, the coach for the the Screaming Eagles women's basketball team. Well, the head coach did have a lot of success there. He brought Minnesota State to um, quite a bit of fame. They won that national title. I think it even got him to the NFL for a couple of years. Yeah, yeah. He did not have a lot of success no, when he went to the no, NFL. Though. No, he did not. But 
But no, I you know I was always shocked that uh, Luther Van Dam didn't get a head coaching position after years of, of success with the Screaming Eagles. I'll Never tell you, his opportunity that was during the height of Missouri's kind of shittiness, and I, I would have advocated for a Luther Van Dam administration at Missouri. Yeah, you know what? Um, I think they're honestly, Brennan, we're joking a little bit here, but there Are were we? rumblings of a Luther Van Dam uh, coaching uh, staff at Mizzou. Before Gary Pinkle came on, I mean, there was sure. he was he was on their list. Well, he was on the short list list when Woody Woodenhofer came on board, and frankly, I think Luther would have been the better choice. I think he would have been <laughs> he'd have been a good fit culturally, yeah, for the Tigers, yeah, yeah. And uh, he he really did bring a brand of defensive football that you know the likes of which we hadn't seen. Unfortunately, the Screaming Eagles have fallen on hard times. Haven't heard much out of them. <laughs> I haven't heard anything. I uh, mean, sometimes when I'm on deep cable, <laughs> Nick at night, I'll be <laughs> reminded of their that, run. Yeah, yeah, they they show some of their games, but. I, Honestly, I feel like the reruns of the old games. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, not a lot of not a lot of uh, success of late. But luckily, uh, we're not playing the Screaming Eagles, former Thank national God. champions. We're yeah. playing Minnesota, uh, not Minnesota State. Yeah. So is that does that it for the SEC bowl? No, no. We gonna... We've got um, the All State Sugar Bowl, of course. Never heard of it. Yeah, me neither. Alabama versus Ohio State. Um, I'm hoping Alabama just takes Ohio State to the fucking woodshed. I am an Ohio State hater. I feel like other than Notre Dame, there's no team on the fucking planet that gets more consideration. They're they're being in bed with the Rose Bowl for so many years has got them so much more play than they ever should have got, even in their worst years. Uh, I, I just hate Ohio State, and I hope Alabama just absolutely takes out their dick and clubs them to death with this big, veiny rod of football. <laughs> I've got to say about Ohio State, much to the uh, opposition of what I said earlier, they are a team whose namesake is exactly what their mascot is. They're a f- <laughs> they're a they're Buckeye. A, they're a fucking inedible bitter nut. <laughs> Great mascot, idiots. Well, um, I feel like it's a bad draw for Ohio State because uh, playing Nick Saban with regularity led to Urban Meyer having to quit football. <laughs> so this is this is not good for Ohio State. Yeah, I wonder if he'll have another fake heart attack. <laughs> I don't know, just from sheer terror of Nick Saban <laughs> and that veiny club I was talking about earlier. It's so veiny. Uh, it's just bumpy. <laughs> Spiritical yet pointy. Freckly. Uh, <laughs> those aren't freckles. Um, Tech Slayer Bowl, we mentioned earlier in the show, is uh, actually hosting a couple of, well, at least one SEC team. Uh, Tennessee will be versus Iowa, mm-hmm. the Hawkeyes. I will watch that if there's no old episodes of Coach on. <laughs> that's a callback. Yep, yep, that's what that is. Uh, Birmingham Bowl, another uh, bowl we had mentioned earlier. Florida versus East Carolina. You know your season's gone awry when you're in the <laughs> University of Florida fucking Gators and you're playing in the Birmingham Bowl. Versus East Carolina. Ugh, yeah, and this is great for East Carolina. Great game. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're happy about this. Not only that, because they're probably going to get to say at one point in their history they beat florida yeah and that may not mean much right now but in 10 years who's gonna fucking know other than you know when florida's you know being good again they'll be like hey we beat florida at one time i do feel for florida though i know that not because they've fallen on don't it's not because they've fallen on hard times or that they've had some coaching turnover it's because they have to go to birmingham alabama (laughs) what a fucking hellscape yeah yeah well it's it's no topeka kansas (laughs) true enough when is topeka gonna get a bowl 
Yeah, so that's that'll do it, right? That's all 12 teams in the SEC who yep. are bowl-bound. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. The bowl season is wacky and wild because 90% of the games don't mean anything to anyone. But they're still fun because it's the end of college football and you're desperately trying to get your last taste of it before you're forced to watch early season basketball in the cold. Yeah, yeah. Nobody wants that. Certainly not Mizzou fans this year. No. Oh, my God, Mizzou. We were going to do a Mizzou basketball podcast, but we decided we'd rather stab ourselves in the crotch um, with ballpoint pins. Well, well, yeah, that's exactly right, because what it would entail is us watching Mizzou basketball. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I tried doing that the other night, Brendan. I li- my eyes literally started to bleed. Yeah. I looked, my face started to do that thing like Indiana Jones movies, you know, where it's just like sort of just melting and all. I turn it off. Mm-hmm. It was painful. I found myself putting uh, weights on my scrotal skin <laughs> to see <laughs> how much weight I could put on before I felt something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it still didn't distract my eyes from the basketball game. Yes. And I was forced to watch it. Was well, terrible. I was in a local tavern not that many nights ago and saw Kim I was Anderson. doing this in a local tavern. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kim Anderson you know, drinking heavily, yeah, heavily. Uh, had a lot of bandages all the way up both arms. Yeah, he's been cutting himself. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't good. It wasn't good. Didn't look good. Well, you know, it's it is very early. I I tell you what, I'm not going to give Kim Anderson any grief just yet. People have been calling for his head already. Yeah, that's probably a little premature. He's got no team to work with. Yeah, the cupboard's I mean, a little bit bare there. <laughs> I feel like he's a good coach. I just don't know if he can recruit. I hope he can because I feel like even at I mean, he won a national championship. And yes, it wasn't a Division One basketball, but you don't fucking back into that. I mean, you got to be a pretty decent coach. So I figure give him some talent. Maybe he can pull something off. Frank Haith left him with dog shit. And, yeah. you know, he's got to work with dog shit. And you yeah. wouldn't want to do that in your job. I mean, I'm going to tell you this. I mean, Frank Haith is my most hated basketball coach ever. I mean, he was an awful coach. He left this program in much worse condition than he found it. I was, really want to choke the life out of him. He was a horrible hire. He was I mean, a horrible I, person. Yeah. He was, and it was all covered up by that fucking smarmy, like um, I'm super um, non-threatening, easygoing. Uh, I'm also a fucking soulless piece of shit. I got to interrupt right here, guys. We do not. We did not have Frank Haith on the show. That was Colin doing a Frank Haith impression. I know it was one hundred percent accurate, flawless, flawless, spot on. But it was not actually Frank Haith. I don't. I don't want to confuse the listeners. I think that's. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Well, that that's it. I mean, fuck. We're about out of things to talk about because the football season's over with. So we're going to take a break, and we're going to come back with God knows what. It's not going to be worth listening to. But, oh, yeah. You know what? We haven't done something very, very, very important. We haven't brought you anything about Arkansas, but we definitely have not brought you any Kansas news. And we can't leave you hanging like that, not on the last show of the regular season. So we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to have our final installment before the bowl game of Kansas News. Three kinds of suns in Canada. Sunshine, sunflowers, and 
Sons of bitches. Fuck Kansas. (laughs) And we're back. And of course, that familiar refrain you just heard, which returns to us after a two-week hiatus while we checked in on our friends in Arkansas, has returned. It's time for Kansas news. Yahoo! Colin, are you ready? I'm so ready for Kansas news, Brendan. I've missed it. I've missed it. Well, Colin, our first story comes to us from the Kansas City Star. The story is, police say... Kansas man put loaded gun in car seat with baby. In Wichita, Wichita police say the 20-year-old man has been arrested after placing a loaded, cocked gun in a car seat with his infant daughter. Well, I'm sure he knew that the finger dexterity of a child that age uh, wouldn't allow her to use the weapon, Brennan, so I feel like we're being a little hard on this fella. That's true. That makes a ton of sense. <laughs> that makes a ton of sense. You're right. I don't even know why they bothered. I uh, don't either. The Wichita Eagle reports that the man was arrested late Sunday night after he burst into a house and demanded at gunpoint to be given the girl. Police say he threatened to shoot everyone if he did not get his baby and pointed the gun at several people inside a home to reinforce his threat. Police say he put the baby in the car seat, placed his gun next to her, and tried to leave. Officers were called to the scene and arrested him there. The man was booked at the Sedwich County Jail on suspicion of aggravated assault with a firearm, aggravated burglary, and child endangerment. Hmm. Well, that seems just sad that that young man uh, is being persecuted for what sounds like just... He loves his baby. Yeah, love for a child. Yeah, he wanted him some baby. (laughs) Well, and I think it's clear by that passion what a good parent he'd be i mean let's throw out the part where he placed a loaded weapon with a child um or a baby cocked loaded weapon yeah and that's just let's concentrate on the part where he had that much passion for his child Mm -hmm. that he you know pointed a a loaded weapon at people to have him likely the mother of the child i would assume yeah yeah i hope so (laughs) i I hope this is i hope he's the father i I, you know apparently so well uh, you know that's a it's a good story to bring us back in the old Kansas news. Yeah, school. yeah, I missed Kansas. Yeah, so this next story comes to us from the AP. It's again out of Wichita, Kansas. It says, military appeals court to hear Kansas HIV case. What could that be, you ask? Well, a Kansas airman accused of aggravated assault for exposing multiple sex partners, partners to HIV at a swinger party. At, no, no, I'm sorry. At swinger parties in Wichita will have his appeal heard this week before the nation's highest military court. This case will have the potential of decriminalizing sexual contact with somebody with HIV, defense attorney Kevin McDermott said. Air Force prosecutors have declined to comment. Gutierrez was a sergeant at McConnell Air Force Base in Wichita in 2011 when he was stripped of his rank and sentenced to eight years behind bars. In addition to aggravated assault, Gutierrez was found guilty of violating an order to notify partners of his HIV status and to use condoms. He was convicted of indecent acts and adultery. He has not been accused of actually infecting anyone with HIV so yet. So the cock, his cock in this case is actually a deadly weapon. It is indeed. And I, he's gone to multiple swinger parties. <laughs> I know. Where do you find these parties at? I've never heard of such a thing, seen such a thing. This guy just like, I guess it's just like, hey, it's Tuesday. Time to go bang a bunch of people. <laughs> well, in his appeal, he says he challenged whether the risk to his sexual partners was high enough to constitute aggravated assault, arguing that laws covering exposure to a disease are outdated since the statistical probability of a heterosexual transmission is very low and medical advances have made the disease treatable. Yeah, he's like, dude, my dong is not that dangerous, everybody. Take a cocktail. You don't have to deal with this HIV. It's nothing. Yeah, it's nothing no more. My, My dick is the cure. Yeah. 
<laughs> hey, this dong's worth it. <laughs> About a hundred years ago, we used to have a lot of laws on the books that threw people in prison for having syphilis because you couldn't cure it. Once they came up with a cure, a lot of these laws went went by the wayside. McDermott said, "Have we cured AIDS?" You know, last I checked, we have not cured AIDS, mm. but he makes a they're, compelling they're, argument. <laughs> that's a flaw, I would say, in that argument. Yeah, I so, just can't believe. I mean, in all honesty, this is kind of. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've got HIV, but you know, sure. I just can't think of a worse scenario. I mean, of course, it's probably why he has HIV, but to swingers parties, it's like that's you know. You really? You're it's like having a bowler and hanging out in a fucking daycare center. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, what the last place you need to be. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, he and the prosecutors bat, get into a little war over what the odds are of actually um, infecting somebody with HIV with his AIDS-ridden little <laughs> cock. But the story ends. It says um, defense lawyers say Gutierrez shouldn't have been convicted of adultery since he and his wife participated in group sex. They are. They also contend that their clients' due process rights have been violated by a long appeals process. I will say that I don't know that um, having swingers' sex is a reason for to, to strip somebody of their rank and <laughs> job. You know, what I mean, I, I, he may have been a perfectly adequate soldier. <laughs> you know, yeah, him and his wife like to. You know, you know, she was a fur trader and he was a sword swallower, or however it worked. I don't know. Let's not get into the technical specifics here, but I just. How does that affect his ability to fly a plane or fire why, a weapon? Why don't they turn this lemon into lemonade? Maybe airdrop him into Iraq and you know find <laughs> find a lady terrorist <laughs> network and let him do his thing. We know well, what he does and we know he does it well. Well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Afghanistan here. We, here's a special present for Al Qaeda. <laughs> this this Don Juan and his age riddled cock. <laughs> We're gonna wrap up this terrorism thing real quick. Should buy some grapes and some wine. Yeah. Maybe play a little Johnny Mathis and we got ourselves <laughs> an into terrorism. Yep. So, okay, well. I think they're looking at this guy's cock all wrong. <laughs> you got to go with the army you have, not with the army you want. <laughs> so, anyway, our next story comes to us from Slate Magazine. A lawyer dressed as Thomas Jefferson in court <laughs> gets disbarred for, quote, unquote, Inexplicable incompetence. <laughs> you may have the right to an attorney, but just make sure it's not Dennis Hover. Why? The Kansas Supreme Court recently voted unanimously to disbar Hover for what the court called inexplicable incompetence. If you're wondering what exactly inexplicable incompetence looks like in a legal profession, Hover is your man. Where to start? Try this. In 2005, during a murder trial, Hover described his client, Philip Cheatham, to the jury as a professional drug dealer and a shooter of people. <laughs> Hover's unconventional legal reasoning only went downhill from here. Here's the gist of the defense he mounted for his client in the capital murder trial from the Topeka Capital Journal. Hover said the strategy of Cheatham, who he described as an experienced and highly street-smart, intelligent criminal who was a cocaine dealer convicted of killing another dope dealer, was to tell jurors that if he had killed two women in 2003, he wouldn't have left alive a third shooting victim to identify him to the police. The survivor was shot eight times by the real gunman to convince her the identity of Cheatham as the killer. <laughs> so let's not go out of He definitely tried to kill the third person. <laughs> he always, well, he's saying he's such a good killer. That there's no way he would have shot he somebody eight, eight times and they wouldn't have died. Yeah, that's right. Not only did Hover leave out evidence that might have exonerated Cheatham, 
I had no idea that cell phones had GPS capabilities at that time during the sentencing phase of the trial, he told jurors. As you might have guessed, Cheatham was convicted of murder and sentenced to the death penalty. Thankfully, the court overturned the conviction and ordered a retrial last year, ruling in the understatement of the year that Hover had failed to represent his client properly. That appears to be the definition of inexplicable incompetence. The only case that can remotely compete in the inexplicable incompetence department with Hover's handling of the Cheatham defense is when he represented himself. The Kansas Supreme Court, unsurprisingly, took disciplinary action against Hover in order to disbar him. During a disciplinary hearing earlier this year, Hover represented himself before the court, dressed as Thomas Jefferson. The Capitol Journal reported from inside the courtroom, it was not pretty. (laughs) It wasn't the outfit that pissed everybody off so much. It was the slave ownership that he also did uh, to uh, make his point. It was uh, unseemly. Well, I feel bad. I mean, like, I feel like this is pretty typical Kansas lawyer behavior. Yeah. I mean, very Lionel Hutz. (laughs) Sure, he's a shitty lawyer, but he lives in Kansas. I mean, Mr. Simpson, I've got a perfect defense for you. (laughs) And dress as Thomas Jefferson. I'm sure, you know, I I assume the normal attire in a Kansas courtroom is uh, overalls with no shirt or (laughs) Yeah, so what the fuck? This guy's probably dressed the nines. Compared to most of them. Yeah. Who's the judge to decide? I mean, he's probably wearing nothing beneath those robes (laughs) and the robes made of potato sacks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's been a welcome return to Kansas news, but we've got really an important has. story. The Kansas football team, did they play in the Big 12 championship game this year? Well, <laughs> there's two problems with that statement. Okay, go One, ahead. Uh, there's no Big 12 championship game. Oh. And two, uh, Kansas would nowhere be near it if it did exist. Um, no, but the Kansas Jayhawks football program hired themselves a new coach. It's not Clint Bowen, the gentleman who has been helming the ship since Charlie Weiss got the can. And doing an admirable job, I might say. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I mean, An just possible task. <laughs> Sisyphean. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he uh, is in a, a no-win situation, literally. Yeah. And, <laughs> it's uh, the definition of a no-win situation <laughs> is coaching Kansas football. But he did not get the, get the nod. Um, it was a former Mangino assistant that yeah. uh, actually got the nod. Uh, and actually by not, I mean they drove to Texas, clubbed him in the head. He woke up at a press conference for the Kansas football program. Drew the short straw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was a lot like that scene in uh, Old School where they're driving around in a van and just tackling people and bringing them into the van. I imagine that's a lot how uh, the Kansas football coaching search goes. Um, so over the past f- five years, Kansas has not enjoyed a lot of success. They are 12-48. and 48. Um, and they were looking for a little new blood. So they went to a uh, former assistant of Mr. Mangino's, one David Beatty. Um, he has been at Texas A&M as an assistant for the uh, past couple of years, um, and he was duped, uh, kidnapped. Uh, I don't know what uh, adjective you want to use. Uh, he's their new coach in either way. Uh, I don't know how that's, they got this to happen. I, don't, I can't imagine anyone wanting this job. No matter how low you are on the assistant ladder and how much you might think this is a upward movement, I just don't see how that's possible. Yeah, it's a tough job. I, there are a lot of things that might draw you to it. None of it's related to winning football games. I mean, it probably offers a better salary than, say, bus driving in Kansas. Uh, the salary is actually $800,000 a year with incentives that could bring his salary up to $1.5 million a season. None of those incentives are going to be hit Right, no. Um, at all. <laughs> they he, might as well offer him 
a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, your incentive is a billion dollars if you can get us a Big Twelve championship, <laughs> a co-championship, however that works. Yeah, no one even knows. But um, the, this guy in particular, Mr. Beatty, was a former Texas uh, high school football coach uh, who was became a college assistant, obviously at Kansas, and is now an assistant with A and M. So he's got a lot of ties to Texas, which was, I think, his. Uh, the biggest feather in his cap for Kansas wanting to get a hold of him. They want to get some recruits, though I can't imagine under any circumstances anyone wanting to go to Kansas for any reason, ever. No, but thank God they got themselves a coach, and good for them. It only took all year long. Yeah, yeah. They And I, they got their man, David Beatty. <laughs> so uh, with that, I think this will wrap up Kansas news. I think that'll wrap up the show. I think. I, I mean, we're probably going to do one more show, Brennan, because of the bowl game, but I don't know if it'll be Kansas news because Kansas is not bowl eligible. No, it won't have anything to do with Kansas. We may have some little things just to remind you that they exist because that's what we have to do in the off season. But we'll have a special bowl game show for you. It'll be great to have one more show. And good luck in the Citrus Bowl, Mizzou. Yeah, it's way to be go. a lot of fun. So thanks for listening this year. It's been a lot of fun bringing you your first ever season of the Mazodcast. And we hope to do it again and maybe again have uh, another SEC title game to talk about. Well, I certainly hope so. All right. For uh, Colin Steenbergen, Brian Goers, I'm Brendan Steenbergen. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. Um, I'm super um, non-threatening, easygoing. <laughs>